0: Pastor Chris's podcast. So our messages over the last several months have been looking and comparing conventional wisdom from the world with what Christ actually said. And so if you've missed any of those, you can go on our website and you can either listen to those messages or you can read them. Maybe if you heard something that you want to go back over, or maybe you thought of someone that you would like to share those with, you can do that. And we invite you to go to our website, pleasantgrove.cc to do that. But today we're going to conclude the series. We have one more expression that we want to look at, and it's a perfect one for today. The expression is seeing is believing. Seeing is believing means that you need to see something before you can accept that it's really true. And this is one that many people subscribe to in our rational age. We live in the age of science, and most people have put behind them silly superstitions, things that maybe a hundred years ago, people just accepted these superstitions to be true. But now, because we have studied them and maybe done experiments, we see that they're not true. And so people um, don't want to think about those imaginary things anymore and believe them. They had to see something to believe them. Furthermore, we all know that talk is cheap. How many times have we heard leaders make promises and then not follow through? Talk is cheap, but seeing is believing. One state in our union even made the philosophy, seeing is believing, their state motto because in 1899 representative William D Vandever said frothy eloquence neither convinces nor satisfies me i'm from missouri you've got to show me and so if you go anywhere and you see somebody with a missouri tag on it the motto down the bottom says it is the show me state maybe you could maybe we could all do with a little more of the missourians common sense because it seems like people today will believe anything. I was just less than an hour ago, I was sharing um, this service on Facebook and I saw someone had a post and it was a post of a cross, which was great, except that the post said, Facebook has taken down this cross and won't let anybody show it. So therefore share this so that everybody sees. And I thought to myself, Facebook is not taking down crosses. We're broadcasting the cross in this moment, in this service. So as much as I appreciate someone trying to share the cross, nobody has banned the cross from Facebook. But some people will believe that and will follow through on that. Um, People will believe anything sometimes. But we need some common sense. Maybe a little skepticism could guard us from being so gullible. But what did Jesus say? Did Jesus say, seeing is believing Last Sunday was Easter. We celebrated the incredible resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was crucified, dead, and buried in the tomb. On the third day, he rose from the grave and he appeared to his disciples. And today, one week later, we read from John chapter 20 and verse 24 through 29. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, Nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You know, I always have kind of felt bad for Thomas. First of all, I feel bad for him because can you imagine you're out doing an errand or whatever you're doing, whatever Thomas was doing. And then you come back to the other disciples and they're all like, Jesus is alive. He was here. We saw him. And Thomas is like, great. I wasn't even here to see it. I feel bad for him in that. Secondly, I feel bad because, you know, Thomas understandably didn't believe. I mean, I don't know that I would believe either if a bunch of people said, this guy that was crucified was in the tomb and we saw him. Unless I see it for myself, I won't believe it. I'd probably have been like Thomas. And to be honest, after 20 years of church ministry, I have seen enough things Um, supposed miracles that turn out to be false, and even people who you thought were one way who turn out to be another. So I know about being skeptical. Don't get me wrong. I have seen countless prayers answered. I have seen legitimate miracles. I've seen amazing people. And I don't let those things, I don't let the negative things that I have sometimes seen turn me negative. I am still positive, but I've also seen enough to, To give me a healthy dose of skepticism, I'm going to watch, I'm going to investigate. I'm probably going to be sometimes a lot like Thomas, who says, I need to see it in order to believe it. Let's all be honest. If all the other disciples started claiming something as fantastic as Jesus coming back to life from the dead, a lot of us would be like Thomas. We might even use the expression, seeing is believing. Or, like the Missourians, show me. That's why I love that Jesus showed himself to Thomas. He didn't leave him out. He came back to visit the disciples when Thomas was with them. And to Thomas, he's like, here I am. You need to see it to believe it? Go ahead. Look at me. Touch me. Feel the scars. It really is me. So Jesus is patient with Thomas's skepticism. He helps him. If Thomas needs to see, Jesus will let him see. And I think Jesus is patient with our skepticism too. I think he understands. He knows that we have sometimes been fooled. He also knows that we live in an age where we have a lot of A a, a lot of things are leading us to be skeptical. We've learned to, to not just accept things. And yet Jesus also knows the value of faith. He knows that faith is critical. And because Jesus loves us, he doesn't want us to miss the power that faith can bring. He even told Thomas and the disciples something in verse 29 that we need to take to heart this morning. He told them, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Have you ever thought about all the things in life that you believe without seeing? I mean, When you heat up your leftovers in the microwave and you push all those buttons, beep, beep, boop, boop, bop, and you press start, and this magic light comes on inside that box, and it somehow cooks your food from the inside out, you just accept that that is working. You don't know how it's working. Even if you went to school and studied in science how it was working, you might know in theory how it's working, but you don't really know exactly. You just trust that it's going to happen. What about when you turn on your computer and connect to the internet? Again, you might know in theory how to do that. And my son, who is a computer engineer, he might can explain exactly how it's working. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of faith that's going on. Especially if your computer's getting kind of (laughs) old. And something that all of you probably experienced this very morning on your way to church. You're driving down Cleveland Highway Highway at 45, 55 miles an hour and you get to the church and you press that little pedal in your car that engages the brake system. that slows you down from hurtling out of control down Cleveland Highway so you can safely turn into the church parking lot and get to church. You trusted that those brakes would work. You just didn't even think about it. And they did. See, we believe these things will work the way they do because, maybe because someone who knows better than us told us that they would. And we believed them. What about when you go to the grocery store? We had hamburgers for, for dinner last night on the grill. What about when you go to the grocery store and you, you go up to this, this meat counter and you find this styrofoam container wrapped in cellophane with some gushy pink, raw meat inside it. You trust that that meat is safe for you to take home and cook and prepare for your family and it's going to be good for you. It's going to taste good and it's not going to give you food poisoning or some kind of bacteria. Why were you able to do that? Why were you able to take that nasty, gushy, mushy meat and turn it into something that you put in your mouth and chewed and swallowed? You believed it because you trusted the grocer. had kept it safe and and refrigerated and and treated it properly. Maybe you didn't trust the grocer. Maybe you trust the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Now think about that. Think about that for a second. You trusted a government agency (laughs) enough to say that that meat was safe to eat. We live a lot more by faith than we realize. We put faith in all kinds of people, products and companies, and even government. Hopefully, these are worthy of our faith. But when it comes to religion, in whom do we place our faith? Christians are known in the Bible as believers. In whom do they believe? We believe in Jesus Christ Over the centuries, though, sometimes people have put their faith in a pastor. And listen, I'm a pastor. (laughs) I know what's in here. And I can tell you that's a scary thought that there's people out there trusting in a pastor. Because we're not always trustworthy. Maybe they put their faith in a church or in a denomination. And we have seen through the centuries how these things are all fallible. And they will sometimes let us down and corruption will seep in and abuse of power can happen. All of these are unworthy of our complete and total faith. So true Christian faith must be in Jesus, the Christ, Savior, the Lord, the Son of God. And the most reliable witness that we have of Jesus is the Bible, the Word of God. John chapter 3, verse 16, a verse that so many people have memorized. It tells us that everyone who believes in him, in Jesus, will not perish, but have eternal life. In John 16, verse 9, Jesus said, The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. I love that he uses the word Refuse. You see, it's not that we can't believe in him. It's that we so often refuse to believe in him. While we're all walking around saying, seeing is believing, you got to show me. But then we believe in things all the time without seeing. But then the son of God comes to us and says, here I am. I'm not in the grave anymore. I'm alive. I'm risen. I want to lead your life. I want to give you hope. I want to take you to someplace beautiful. And then we refuse to believe. Would you be skeptical of Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Word of God who was with God in the beginning, who gave life to everything that was created and whose life gave light to everyone? Would you doubt Jesus' own Word in the Bible while at the same time you trust the FDA? your grocer, or even your mechanic? The resurrected Christ showed himself to Thomas, to the other disciples. In 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul writes that Jesus had appeared to more than 500 people, showed them, here I am, I am alive, it's me. That's a lot of people. But the vast majority of Christians throughout all of the centuries have accepted Christ's resurrection by faith, not by actually seeing. We are able to see Jesus is alive because we believe what the Bible says about him. And this opens our hearts to know that he is there with us in all of life's circumstances. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, everything is possible if a person believes. Have you ever thought about all of the incredible things accomplished over the centuries because someone believed it could happen when no one else did? 500 years ago, no one really believed that people could fly until... In the 20th century, two brothers, the Wright brothers, decided to switch from making bicycles to making flying machines. And somehow they were, comp- they were able to craft a machine that could only fly a couple hundred yards, but hey, it was flying. And today we have airplanes, jets that are flying all over the world. You can go anywhere in the world because of that. One hundred years ago, no one believed a man could walk on the moon. That's ridiculous. You told someone that in 1921. They would have thought you were crazy. But in 1969, we had one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, as the first human foot was placed on the dusty surface of the moon. In 1966, a science fiction television show debuted called Star Trek. And in it had all of these fantastic science fiction gadgets that no one believed would be possible except for maybe way off hundreds of years in the future. Things like personal communicators carried around in your pocket so you could talk to people anywhere at any time. Being able to speak to a computer and have it do something. Like when we say, hey Siri, call David Crawford. (coughs) Tablets. Computers that you hold in your hand. What crazy, outlandish, impossible, ridiculous inventions Will we come a reality next? All because someone had a vision and an imagination and faith that it could actually be done even though no one right now believes it's possible. Sarah Crawford's walking through the back of the surface. How can a high school senior face graduation and an unknown future. All they've ever known for most of their life has been going to school and having a few months off during the summer, and now they're getting ready to graduate and their unknown is out there. What, what in the world is going to be out there? How could they face that future unless they believe somehow they can do it and that their future is bright that lies ahead of them? How can a wife and husband reconcile a broken marriage if they don't believe it's possible, if only through the power of God? How can an addict become sober if they don't believe it's possible with the help of a power that's higher than their own? How can a NICU nurse who works in the neonatal ICU hold a two-pound baby filled with tubes and IVs was born three months early. How can they care for that child unless they believe that somehow that child may make it and may go on to live an incredible life? How can a cancer patient find healing through an incredibly difficult chemotherapy treatment unless they have faith that it just might work? How could they or their family face death if the treatment doesn't work? unless they have faith that there must be something more than just this life of suffering, pain, and death. How can a person work through grief when they've lost someone that they really care about? How can they they go on when today all they know is sorrow and tears and pain and darkness? How can they go on unless they believe? They don't understand how, but somehow... Uh, A week from now, a month from now, a year from now, things will be better. And there will be more than just what they're experiencing in in this moment. So we see there are countless real-life examples of times when faith is essential to help people imagine a better, brighter future despite their current situation. And we see that seeing is believing is not enough. Sometimes you just can't see until you believe. If you're from the Dalton area or have been here for a little while, you may remember how in, on April the 5th, 2013, A student from Creek High School named Hannah Locke was in a terrible car accident that left her paralyzed. Her tragedy and also her faith and determination have inspired countless people. Her journey has not been easy. For some, it would have been impossible. But Hannah's faith has helped her do the impossible. Though she is still in a wheelchair... She is a living example of how faith can motivate and inspire a person to live their best life. Hannah Locke is now married and become Hannah McKenzie Reed, and she's expecting a child. Hannah's faith has helped her, and it's inspired many. In a recent public Facebook post, she shared this. As I reflect over the past eight years, I can't help but to think about how immensely blessed I have been. While these eight years have brought trials and tribulations, frustration and heartache, it has also brought growth, perseverance, and immeasurable joy. If it took these eight years to bring me to where I am today, filled with the peace that only comes from God, Full of love for life and the people in it and full of thanksgiving for the many blessings I would do it all over. Faith makes Hannah's positivity and progress possible. And so today I want to invite you to take hold of the power of faith. I invite you if you've never done so to trust Jesus today. To trust him when he says, I'm not in the grave anymore. I'm alive. Here I am. Touch me if you need to. His word is trustworthy. You may be wise to be skeptical of some things, some people in this world. But you can always trust Christ. You can put your faith in him. And you can let him save you. And I would also warn you, don't let your skepticism, even of people and things in this life, be so great that it cripples you and your potential. Because there's so much beauty, so much goodness to be had if you just have a little faith. Gracious Christ, Jesus our Lord, Thank you for your patience with our skepticism. We thank you, O Lord, for the many ways that you seek to reveal yourself to us from day to day when we need it. And we thank you also for the opportunity that you have given us to receive such great blessings when we believe without seeing. Help us, O Lord, not to miss those opportunities, even as you protect us. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for coming to be with us in this service today. And we pray in your name. Amen.